0: We are not done with the career story yet of Chet Davis. I thought we'd wrap it up. I thought I had you studied like a book, Chet Davis. I was far from that. We had to make this a two-part episode. So we've covered, and if you've missed it, by the way, go back and listen to part one. The stories of growing up on a thoroughbred farm and skipping citrus TV at Newhouse and living in a one-room spot in Eureka, California. That's where you left off the story. You're enjoying your time in California as a small-town kid covering school sports. But you head to Louisiana for your next gig. Take us through that, how you ended up finding out that opportunity. I would say Lafayette, but you're going to scold me here in a second because that's not how you say the city in Louisiana you ended up in.
1: Yeah, we have that Lafayette in New York. This is Lafayette, like you're laughing at somebody. Yeah, so that uh, popped up. Um, As everyone knows, and this is kind of a little sidebar, contracts in this industry, the whole thing needs to be destroyed. The fact that um, what we're getting paid – at entry level positions to deal with contracts. I was fortunate enough that my first job was a uh, it was a 2-year contract, but after a year, um, you could leave for a job that was higher. You know, if it was a, a higher market jump out of, you know, I was it was the only station there, so they didn't have to worry about competition. So essentially if you're leaving to go somewhere bigger and better, you're free. Which that's a great way to do it. It gives you the motivation to, you know, work on your reel and they understand that this is entry level that most people are not going to stay. Um, not every station's like that. And so it all just comes down to timing, which can be so unfortunate, or it can work in your favor at when your contract's going to end, what jobs are opening, how that all goes. But so, um, you know, as the search was going on, um, not a lot of things like that first job, I was like, I'll go anywhere. Second job, you're trying to figure out, is this going a place that I want to be at and, and set up shop a little bit longer. Do so I want to be closer to home. What kind of events am I going to be covering all those questions start, you know, uh, funneling in. And so the Lafayette job, I'm like, okay, I've, I've heard about Louisiana football. And uh, you know, in the description, it talks about you're going to be covering LSU football. It doesn't get much bigger than that. You're going to be covering the Saints, all those things. I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty cool to me. And then the way I got my foot in the door was Syracuse. The sports director at that station was a Syracuse grad. His name's Travis Webb. And so when I, I applied like you normally do, I forget what the who owned that company, but it wasn't one of the major ones, but still one of those application websites. But then I fired off a separate email. I looked up. Everyone should do this. you know you don't want to bombard somebody with emails, but do your research. you know see who's on that every job that I ever applied to, I checked the news team and looked for Syracuse. Is there a familiar face, maybe somebody I know, or is there just that, Familiarity of it's, it's an alumni. It's somebody that I could reach out to just and try to get more information What is the news director looking for? What's the station looking for? Do you like it here all those things you can get some great insight that can help you in an interview or help you realize Do I actually want to be at the station, you know? Yeah, um, but so when I saw that he was a sports director I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to send this guy an email and that's Basically, why I got the job, you know, he sent me later on later into the process. He was like he literally said you know what? You're a Syracuse guy. Let's go for it. And that was like awesome. <laughs> and, and so I made another road trip. Another friend came out for that road trip from California uh, to South, uh, southeastern Louisiana. And uh, that was that was stop number two. And this is you thought the first story was crazy. This was this was way worse. So same thing, uh, but this time I actually did have a roommate lined up. The meteorologist needed a roommate, but he was stuck on his lease for one more month. So I had to find a place to stay for a month. I go back to my good old friend, Craig. Oh no. <laughs> Pop on and I found a perfect one that was like, it's a month to month. I'm like, That's exactly what I'm looking for. It was, it seemed like a nice house. I'm like, this is, this, this could work. I could do this for a month. So I drive in this guy. I'm only 23 at the time. This guy's younger than me. He looks like he's 18, but I guess he's 21. Uh, place reeks of marijuana, whatever I can make that work. hope I don't fail my drug test at the station because of this, but the guy, uh, unfortunately and on a somber note, my grandfather had passed away. Oh. Yeah. And so, but it was, it was one of those, you know, it was time kind of things. So it wasn't a shock, but it was still, you know, I had to go back home for the funeral. And so my whole life was in my car again. And I had an, uh, a plane to catch in the next like 18 hours. So I had to find a place to stay, place to park my car so that I could get to the airport and take off kind of thing. And so I go in, I'm kind of it's a scramble to find a place. And I find this guy who seems like he's legit, whatever. So I'm like, you know what, this works for me, man. I can make this work, same situation. I got a room in this guy's house, shared kitchen, whatever. And I'm like, is there a, a contract that I could sign? And he goes, a contract? And he, he was super Southern. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like an agreement. And he goes, oh yeah. He opens up a drawer, takes out a plain white piece of paper, and goes, he literally starts making a contract. He goes, <laughs> he goes what's your name? I'm like, Chet Davis. Chet? Why you say Chet? How do you spell Chet? 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 And so and he writes his name, and then he writes a line for me to sign. He goes, here you go. I, I signed it. And I go, do you want a copy? He goes, "Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is great. And I literally dumped – I didn't put any like the valuables in the house, but I like, put all my clothes into this room. All, I left all like the electronics in my car, but, and I drove away. And I drove away, and I looked in my rearview mirror, and I'm like, I'm going to come back, and there's going to be a different owner in this house, and no one's going to know who the heck I am. But I left all my stuff there, and then I lived with that guy and his girlfriend and their cat who loved to uh, sneak into the bathroom when I was showering. That was great. <laughs> Yeah, the thing you do when you move to a place where
0: you don't know anybody. So you enjoyed your month with Bobby Boucher, which was nice, and the grown version of Mr. Boucher in the late yeah. 2010 decade And there. Sure enough, uh, you do get to move out of that place, thankfully, yeah. and move in with a meteorologist who maybe made you sign a contract like that. But none, nonetheless, um, I, for the sake of the order of these conversations, because you're soon to be married later this year, Let's yep. talk about how you met your now fiance before we get to the responsibilities. So uh, Cam doesn't get mad at me to rank the importance of these questions. Let's start with her first. How did you meet your now fiance, soon soon-to-be wife?
1: Yes. Well, I was convinced that when I moved to the South, I was going to find my Southern Belle. And, and I don't know if I accomplished that or not because she is, uh, she is a piece of work. No, she's fantastic. <laughs> we uh, actually met through my – so at this shop, it was a three-person sports team. So uh, the sports director, Travis, who I mentioned, and I was the weekend, and then we had a a sports reporter, Molly. Molly and I immediately hit it off. She's a Texas girl, uh, became great friends. But she had uh, an apartment situation where she was actually living with – it was a combination of, like, college students because the University of Louisiana is right there. And, you know, again, it was just kind of like a random array of people that were, like, later on, either postgraduate degrees or seniors in college, that kind of thing. And uh, Cameron randomly became one of her roommates, not right away. So there was like a different set of roommates I became friends with. And then she was like a replacement roommate. And so I had heard her name for a while. And Molly had been like, oh, man, this Cameron girl, you got to meet her. You got to meet her. I'm like, well, that's like this is up to you. Like you got to set this up. And so she actually met me for the first time at a media basketball game. Yep, wow. one of my buddies at another station was a big avid. You know, we, we would play basketball at the gym together, and he's like, "Yeah, we should get the you know my station versus your station." So we did this basketball game at a local high school, and she showed up with Molly, and so that was the first time we met. She claims that she immediately knew that I was the one. I don't know if it was the sweet jump shot or <laughs> me bricking some layups that so she was like, "That's the guy I want to marry." Yeah, yeah, with my baggy <laughs> basketball Jordan shorts, whatever that' got, Um, and so, yeah, we headed off after that and it was actually crazy because another one of those contract situations, I met her later into my contract. So we'd only been dating for six months when the Albany job came up and we had to have that conversation way sooner than most relationships would, Of you want to move across the country, (laughs) that kind of thing. And I was under the assumption that she wouldn't come because a lot of those places in the South, you don't leave. You, you build a house next to your parents and you just, the generational, you know, the street name is your last name kind of thing. Right. And so, but she's one of those, she's one of those rare ones where she's like, no, I'm out of here. She's like, if she's like, if I hadn't met you, I was going to be leaving. But she's like, I want to, she hadn't been north of Arkansas. And so I was like, oh, you were in for a rude awakening. <laughs> then, but she's a nurse. And so she actually, she landed a job up here before I did. I was applying for jobs um, actually right when uh, Doug Sherman had left CBS. Yes,
0: you know, I don't want to give away the Albany story quite yet because I want to go back to something that happened there in Lafayette. I think I nailed it that time. When you mentioned that some of the teams that you were covering, weren't the high school players you covered were just as impressive, in particular one that plays for now for the Jacksonville Jaguars that really stood out to you.
1: Best player I've ever seen in person. Travis. So the weird thing about this, and I will never get over it. I want to see him on camera pronounce his name. When we covered him, he was Travis Achan. now people know him by Travis Etienne, the running back out of Clemson. Um, but he was just the definition of a human highlight reel. And so how it works, anyone that's ever worked in local TV and covered sports Friday night football is the end all be all. It's your biggest show of the year in most cases. Um, and so when you're, this is also a funny part when i'm coming from eureka we covered there was nine high schools in our viewing area five big schools four little schools and that's literally <laughs> the big five and the little four it's how they called it i get to louisiana and there's around 55 high schools in our, <laughs> yeah and i remember because um, so I showed up in the summer, and then you know, one of the first big things we start doing a big preview tour. And I asked my sports director, "I'm like, how many games do we cover? You know, we we pick like the games of the week, or how do we do that?" And he goes, uh, "We cover about all of them." I'm like, "All of them?" <laughs> and he's like, "Dude, we get it's the three of us. We get four photogs that work overtime, and we each get like three or four games." And I'm like, "Holy mackerel!" So. Whenever you had to get that – so Travis Hn is from Jennings. Whenever you get that Jennings game, you go there first because you know Travis is scoring an 80-yard touchdown. <laughs> you get your highlight, and you're like, I'm moving now. out. Going to the next game. But, no, he was so awesome. And it was – talk about an eye-opening experience. Even before I saw Travis play, we did this. It was called, like, the Super 16 where we highlighted the best 16 football players in the area and talking to these athletes, man. Because I – I, you know, being from upstate New York, know, you kind of get that chip on your shoulder of like, man, how come we didn't get recruited? We could play football. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> I think I could have played at that level, but I only would have played. I would not have been an all star. Like, these guys were literally cut from a different cloth. Like, these guys were, un, you know, you'd ask them a question of, you know, what's your 40 time? 4-4? Four, four, four? I'm like, well, I said 40 time. You weren't a 4-4? Jesus. Like, and then it's you know, like, <laughs> They split three, 200 pounds. And I'm just like, just talk about unbelievable specimens that these these kids are. And so that was just so cool for me, as someone who loves football, to be able to see these guys move on in their careers and be like, I remember when he was only a freshman in high school. And um, so that's been a lot of fun. And, and every and it's also, you know, basketball and baseball. They just produce a ton of athletes down there. And so that's been really cool to follow those along.
0: Just my map, too. You did go to the Death Valley to LSU. You've covered games in Death oh, Valley? Yeah. Yeah. yeah What's that experience like? Yeah. What's that like for a night game, man?
1: Uh to this day, LSU Alabama is number one. That's the best event I've ever covered in person. Um we would actually so we would shoot the games. We would shoot the games ourselves. Um what a what a crazy even just the first time I went to one of those games.
0: Chance, sorry, real quick, is that the team the year they're both undefeated? One and two in the country?
1: No, it wasn't one two.
0: So I believe that was fall of 2011. Okay, so yeah, it's probably a little bit after,
1: yeah. So this was uh, Jalen Hurts' freshman year. Okay. Um, so now, and that was, uh, I mean, this LSU team was stacked. That's what Jamal Adams was on the team. We're talking yeah. Leonard Fournette. I believe the quarterback that's, that year was, it was either uh, Anthony Jennings or Brandon Harris, which that was a big reason why that team did not go very far. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but... Uh, you know they were absolutely stacked with with athletes and uh, great players but so yeah covering those games it's it's probably about an hour drive from lafayette to baton rouge and the first time i go i mean i have show up i was the first one there cuz i was just like i don't know where i'm going I, that's one of the big stresses for me also in this in this industry is whenever i travel to a new stadium like whenever you have to do that and it's a credential process and you're also in a lot of cases, one-man banding those events, so you're carrying a ton of gear. Some people bring wagons, and they're the smart ones. I'm, I'm the idiot who's got the tripod on a shoulder, camera on the other shoulder, and I'm carrying them. It's just a nightmare stuff to carry. And especially the Louisiana heat, brother. <laughs> I, it. I mean, I am disgusting. I had to bring multiple shirts to some of these events because I was like, I'm going to sweat through the first one. Um, but that, that LSU-Alabama, I've never experienced anything like it. The the noise, it's one of those things where the noise was so loud it went deaf. Like you literally, it was just like a humming. Your ears could not handle how loud it was. And I remember that game, which Alabama ended up blowing the doors off. But in that first half, um, they intercepted Jalen Hurts, LSU did. And that place, that's what I'm talking about with the noise. You could feel it like throughout your whole body. You could just feel it. Was, unbelievable one of the one of the greatest experiences i've ever had so i absolutely loved going to death valley and then you actually and that's where you hear about the hospitality too even before the game you're walking around and people are offering you gumbo and beer i'm like i'm working i can't do that but give me the gumbo and like you know just like, they, they act like they've known you forever and they have no idea who you are um so that was always a really cool experience to go out there those were the less miles days so those press conferences were always a treat and, uh I no, absolutely
0: love it. The Mad Hatter doing his thing there down in the bayou, having a lot of fun doing that. Now, you already teased us here about the trip back to New York to the Capital Region. Before you tell your side of the story, I don't know if I've ever – I may have ever told you this before, but it's bizarre because you already said that Doug Sherman, the legendary broadcaster here, shout out to him, he is leaving, and CBS6 is looking for his replacement. But at that point, it is Brittany – Devane at that point now Brittany McHatton was out in Maine Jason Lewis who I believe is out in the Michigan area doing his thing and at that point I'm doing the upstate sports edge still on Tuesdays with Brittany so I would get there early and when they were looking for someone to replace Doug and I think at that point Brittany was in the sports director Jason's contract was going to expire he was going to to missions again so like she was showing me tape of who was soon to be the replacement so she was going through people that they were thinking about and I remember Chet watching your tape She goes, hey, I got we got this guy from Louisiana who might get the job. Now, again, me being an upstate New York kid, I hear we got a kid from Louisiana. I'm like, yeah, it's not gonna work. Like, look, like Louisiana and upstate New York, like those are two different worlds. So, so I'm watching your tape, and I'm like, I again, I'll use the Bobby Boucher reference again. Like, I expected you to have like a Cajun accent and like just to have this like big Southern drawl, and I'm waiting for it. I'm like. I don't, and I think I actually turned to Brittany and said, "Brittany, I don't think he's from Louisiana." She's like, "Oh no, no, he's from Syracuse. I think he's from like New York too. I think he's. I think she said Oniana, which yeah. is another area in upstate New York, not Unitiga. So I'm yeah. like, "Wait a wait a second, this kid's from New York. This is not." So Chet, I remember watching your tape, and I'm going to ask this a little later in the interview. I don't know what I was looking at. Like I'm a radio guy watching TV tape. I really don't know. But take us through your process. Like you obviously sent tape. Were you confident you were going to land it? Was it just getting back to New York? Take us through why you wanted to get back to the Empire State. So this was another one of those. I go back to
1: how much I hate contracts where, you know, my contract was up, I believe, in the early summer months, maybe May or June. And so you start looking. You know, you never want to start too early because if you find that perfect job, you're going to get into a hairy situation where you're going to be either breaking contract or negotiating your way out. It just sucks. So when I got to, like, the new year, I was like, okay, let's start. You know, I, you save stuff throughout, you know, it's funny, like the stuff that you thought was good a year ago is now very old and outdated and you think it stinks. So like you're constantly updating with like, oh, I really like, you know, how I anchored that or I really like this, you know, the packages always stand out. I was like, this is my big story. I, I know I want to put that on my reel. Um, and so I started putting it all together and the Albany thing, and no joke, was day one. And I opened up, you know, you go to tvjobs.com as the time I was using and the Albany sports director job is there. And, I, and I'd always wanted to be a sports director because, to be honest with you, I was just sick of working on the weekends. Uh, you do a lot. You sacrifice so much. You miss so many things. That um, was like, great. You know, that's, A, it's back in my you know familiar neck of the woods. Uh, one of my best friends growing up lives there. I get to be a sports director. This sounds great. Moving up markets. Um, so I applied for that job. And Chris Gag was the news director at the time. And... And he, I, I, one of those, like I sent it off and sometimes you'll send things off and you won't hear things for weeks. Like it'll just be radio silence. Sometimes you never get, a lot of times you never hear it at all. But Chris Kegg called me like literally a few hours later and I was at the gym in Louisiana and I'm like, hello, Like all the way popped up. And I'm like, that was way too quick, but it was him. And he said, he loved my stuff and he wanted to do an interview. And it was one of those things that now that now knowing what I know, I was never really in the running for sports director even though that's what it was labeled as because they hadn't officially named Brittany sports director yet. And
0: you, and you know what, Chad just stopped there. I think we also got to mention Kelly O'Donnell's in this mix too. He's a Syracuse guy. He is also involved in this situation and Kelly's now moved on to Siena, but there is a Kelly Doug situation that takes place where Kelly decides I'm not staying at CBS six either. I'm going to Siena. So that's why that, I believe that sports director job was open because like you just said, Kelly had said, no, and right. moved on and they hadn't officially announced Brittany. So for that perspective needed to be added there.
1: And, and like equal opportunity, right? Because like you have to post that job and give people a chance to apply. Even if you know you're going to hire, it, but then you still have to, you know, by state law, post it. So I didn't know at the time that Brittany or Jason, one of those two were, were likely going to get the job. And so I was essentially applying for one of their jobs, uh, which I was not as keen about because when later in that process, um, you know, Chris let me know they were they were going in house, and I was like, okay, that makes that makes sense. Chris was a new news director, and I don't know if you want to ruffle that many feathers on day one, kind of thing. Um, but Chris came back, and he was going to offer me the number three, and I was like, ooh, I really, you know, I really like anchoring. So, as number three, for people that don't know, and that's like you're a fill-in anchor, you're the reporter, um, you do a lot of packages. Um, some people love that. Some people love doing just storytelling. Some people like doing a mixture of both. And that's kind of what a weekend anchor is. And so I was like, no, that's not really what I'm looking for. So thank you. But no, thank you. Come to find out that Jason Lewis then turned down, you know, once uh, Brittany got named sports director, Jason's contract was also ending. And he goes, I want to be, you know, uh, go somewhere else. So he, he goes to Flint, Michigan, I believe. And so that's where then now the number two job is open. And now I'm back in the mix. And so Chris Gay gave me a call back. And I think that at this point, we're now in April. And I, I felt like they actually flew me in. It was the first time in my career that I got flown in for an interview, which no offense to Chris Gagger or the station was a complete waste of time. It was more, <laughs> like, uh, I guess, standard procedure um, because they told me to wear a suit because they wanted me to do, um, you know, like trial anchoring. They wanted to see me. On the, I didn't even do it. I didn't even do it. I wore a suit and a plane. Who wears a suit and a plane? And so I like uh, yeah, I get there and I, I basically shadow Brittany for the day, and I kind of see how everything runs and the chaos that was Upstate Sports Edge because that should not be run by two people. You know that was just such a difficult time for them. Um, but yeah, I flew up for the day and I got to meet everybody, and then yeah, the ball kept rolling and I accepted the job. And before I knew it, I was in Albany. And
0: look at that man. And you know what? You took one of my questions, by the way. I'm gonna have these nice. Fancy graphics in the bottom, by the way, towards the end. But you said something that is worth repeating because you said it kind of in passing. The upstate sports Engine, there that you just mentioned. Yeah. Why is that such a bear? For those who don't understand the perspective you just offered, for two people, why is what that? You know, let's go oh, this first. What was that show for those who don't know? And why was it such a bear to prep daily?
1: So, yeah, this was created before my time. Uh, this is when CBS6 had a four-person team. So we've mentioned all the characters. You have Doug Sherman, you have Kelly O'Donnell. An absolute wealth of knowledge between the two of them. I think about the end of the line, we're talking almost three decades of anchoring experience in the capital region. And then you have uh, Jason and Brittany. So you have four people, and that's a lot of content that get, that can be churned. And so um, what they decided to do, because our sister station is a CW15. So you have the normal CBS6 broadcast but we also have this partnership with CW. And so in that hour block that we have, uh, 10 to 1030 would be regular newscasts, and then 1030 to 11, they're dedicated to sports, which it it seems like a great idea. Hey, more content for us. We're going to do more stories, some more of that in-depth reporting. And I never really got to be a part of that. I've seen some of the work that was created, and it was fantastic. It was basically Kelly O'Donnell's baby, and you kind of had Brittany and Jason run through a lot of the – I don't want to say heavy lifting, but going to different places, getting content, and Kelly put it all together and anchor it. But with Kelly and Doug out of the picture, you now have Jason and Brittany by themselves. That I don't know how they ever turn that content because the Upstate Sports Edge is supposed to be fully local, 30-minute show. So that's about 22 and a half minutes of content that you're trying to do. All local. And that is on top of your normal duties of covering, you know, a three and a half minute sports block. Or I guess it was actually back then, it was four minutes in the early's, two separate minute blocks, and then, you know, three and a half minutes at 11. It's insane. It, and I, I think back, it's actually been a few years now. So when I arrived as uh, the sports anchor, there was an overlap where Jason was still there for a little while. And so it was the three of us. And they were, it was without a doubt the craziest. Uh, work experience in my career. I mean it was I'm talking about I had to jump down staircases while doing my tie because you're running at the last second. I mean editing it was every single night at the end of the day you were exhausted and you don't know how you did it. And you're just throwing it together, you're doing these super long interviews. And I, I got to a point where I had to call former mentors and be like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like it is because you you don't want to water down the content. And you take pride in what you're doing. But because you do that, that takes a lot of time. And that's like supposed to be a lot of manpower. And we're also talking about three people who don't have that wealth of knowledge that Doug had and the connections. That's another part of it. Like, all those things were missing. And so then when, when Jason leaves and then we hired Gardner, who's now still working at CBS six, so it was the three of us. And I think we probably did it for one more year before they finally decided, you know, enough's enough. and, you would think that when they, made, they told us, they brought us in, like, hey, we're, we're not going to do the off sports edge. I think they were thinking we were going to be upset, like sad. We all high-fived. We were like, thank God, <laughs> dude. Because it just, it was, it was so brutal. It was an absolute, it was a great, a great learning experience. Like, we literally tested the limits of what we could handle. Emotionally, like physically, everything. And then everything after that seemed easy. You're doing less, but you're doing better better product.
0: Yeah, and I'll stay away from how financially it may have or may not have benefited all of you during that extra work. I'll just avoid that question, but I will offer this to you uh, again for perspective purposes and for students listening and other. Can you name any other markets? And I'm talking through like the top 60 who took on that type of bear. Isn't that wasn't that just unique to Albany where people just avoid that? I don't care if you're in Boston, Philly, New York. Nobody. Maybe I'm wrong. Chet. I don't know any other markets who are taking on what you guys were taking.
1: Not, not on the daily basis like that. I have not really encountered. There's like, you, you see a lot of those NFL Sunday. Uh, I know Wham does some great stuff with Buffalo Plus in Rochester. Um, but a lot of those professional cities, they do the 30-minute pregame shows. But that's a, that's a once a week kind of thing. And maybe they do it twice a week where they do a pre and a post or something like that. Um, but when you're doing it every day, year-round, I mean, those summer months, Thank God for Saratoga that we could fill some stuff. But there's still that, like, you know, the dead part of summer where you're like, what the heck are we going to talk about? And you had to get creative. I actually had you on once where we did a a blind tasting of coffee, and I didn't find out. We were trying to figure out the difference between cold brew and regular iced coffee. I didn't find out until in the interview you don't drink coffee. (laughs) Talk about horrendous content. I don't know what we were doing, but we had fun with it. We, We had to have fun with it. Yeah, I think I
0: believe that's the first hit I ever did with you. I think that's like how I met you. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell the guy first day I don't drink coffee. I don't want to blow up a segment here. Which, by the way, you'll be happy to know now, with Baby Rex here, I do drink coffee. I've now cha- yeah. I'm a changed man. I have no choice at this point in my life. I'm getting up at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yes, that's that's exactly right. Oh, we are going to talk about your current employer. So, for those who listen to the podcast, you know this is the part where I can say the things like. Because you work for this company, you can answer as much or as little as you'd like so you don't get a nasty email from the boss. I'll just ask this. Brittany does leave. She goes to Maine. Tell us as much as possible about that transition of the sports director opening, then coming, and how you landed in that position. Go ahead with what you want to tell us, the inside behind CBS 6.
1: Let me take take a sip of my water so I can think this through.
0: Yeah, pause for dramatic effect. This is where I do a nice live read for you sponsors out there.
1: Um this was and so many people that were um under contracts that were expiring the pandemic hits and that was you know so Brittany leaves um this is 2020 she leaves in january she got married and uh, you know her husband lived in maine so she went uh, to go be up there she still works in tv but more like i think a morning news anchor so she's doing um and so it, it seemed like this is, where, this is where it gets really tough in your career because it's it's not just your career. And if you are with someone, and I wasn't engaged at the time, but we knew where that was kind of going, you're not making a selfish des- decision anymore. You're supposed to be making a decision for two if you're, if you're in a relationship. So that's where it was really tough to, it was very much a life decision as well as a career decision where earlier on, I knew that Eureka was temporary. I knew that Lafayette was temporary. This was the first time in my career where I'm kind of back home. You know, I'm still close to family. I have all my family that lives in Unadilla or in the Boston area. So I'm right in the middle. Uh, and we love the capital region. We love the location. You know, ventures up north, go to the city down south. And so I had to I had to do a juggling act or, you know, try to find what were the pros and cons, you know, it's filled on both sides of, of whether to stay or to go. And then the pandemic kind of made the decision for me. You know, it was, do you, do you test the waters? Or do you take, uh, you know, a great opportunity to be finally become a sports director? And so that was tough because you didn't really get, even get a chance to see what other opportunities were out there. Because when the pandemic hit and sports, the sports world shut down, uh, not a great time to be a sports anchor looking for a job. And so uh, that kind of made the decision a lot easier. But it's also in the back of your mind the should have, could have, woulda what could have been out there and had a lot of friends who were in the same situation who maybe didn't have the promotion on the table and they didn't know what to do because it and and don't even get me started on the college kids that were coming out that at the end of that spring semester no one has ever had to experience that trying to find a job when jobs aren't hiring and there aren't sports going on um i really can't imagine what that would have been like so it, it kind of Uh, Again, that my fate was kind of determined by the pandemic, and it's worked out. Gardner and I have, you know, we we crushed it for that year. We were doing, you know, news stories. We were going to the Great Escape. We were doing, you know, all sorts of different stuff to try and provide content for the station. And thank God, sports are back now. But uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a roller coaster trying to figure that out. It was unpredictable, and uh, yeah, again, happy to be be a sports director in Albany.
0: I asked one of your former colleagues. Now he's left the market. Michael Barthor worked at NBC 10. The same question.
1: You're going to have. Before me. Gosh.
0: <laughs> he was. He was leaving. It was like his swan song. His retirement. That. Is- I'm going to get so much grief. Anyways. Uh, the COVID effect. Did you have a fear? Or. And you could answer this for Gardner. If you want. Maybe I'll put him on in a few months too. Uh, did you have a fear that it was going to really affect that entire setting? That was television highlights and anchor and everything else. Because as you mentioned. Like. If there's no sports, there's got to be a fear of, like, you know, are they reconsidering how this whole process is set up? Because it's different when you and I grew up in the 90s with Sports Center and everything else.
1: 100%. 100%. And I can remember when that NBA shutdown happened, that following Monday, I remember coming in and I'd had like this whole game plan ready of, like, all right, sports are shut down, but we can still have content. Probably not every day, but maybe I'll do like anchoring every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then I came into my news director's office and she's, she looked at me and she goes, Chet, you're not even like, we're kicking you out of the station. You guys are going to work in the Albany Bureau in downtown. And I was like, blindsided. I was like, that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is going to be really serious. Like, I knew then when the NBA thing happened, we all realized this is serious. But I I guess I didn't realize how it was going to immediately impact our routine. Like this is going to be completely different. And so we were essentially, you know, on our own, you know, like Gardner and I um, talk about a bubble. I mean, we were with each other every single day trying to find ways to provide content. And a lot of times it was determined for us because if there were no sports going out, I mean, we did a few of those immediate stories with athletes whose seasons had just come to an end. But how many times can you tell that story? You know, it became very, uh, repetitive. And so we started doing these news stories. And so like, I, I literally drove the station car, uh, cause I, never, I didn't go back to this. My car was parked at the station for months and I just drove the station car and we would edit at the bureau, which is this little office in, in downtown Albany. And there was one other reporter crew there, but Gardner and I, we just, I was crazy, it's no prompter anymore. So I had to memorize my scripts and we, we would film everything ahead of time and put it together. Um, but man, talk about, and then the, the age of zoom, you know, like for, for a a profession that's so dedicated to quality and making sure everything's HD and lit correctly and in focus everything we were trained to do. We have now just completely lowered our standard because having the content is more important than the quality. And I don't think that's going to change. I really don't. I think that this, the zoom is going to stay because what it made us realize is, we have so much more access than we thought we did. Like we couldn't interview someone unless they were here. No, we can interview anyone. We can interview Nick Wisdowski as he's training for the Olympics while he's in North Carolina. We don't have to wait for him to come back to Dwaynesburg for a camp. And so it just kind of like changed our whole mindset of like – and it, it's still happening where it's like someone breaks a record or you know throws a perfect game. I can text the coach and be like, hey, can I get a Zoom real quick? Boom, I had content just like that, where a year, a year and a half ago, I would have said, oh, shucks, I'll put, I'll put a picture up." And, and I love that. I think it, it's absolutely going to improve um, how we're able to do some, some storytelling. And we're still going to do the high you know, uh, HD stuff. But the age of Zoom, I think, is definitely going to be here today.
0: We're doing it right now. You know, we're using a different software than Zoom. You're not uh, sitting in my living room slash office or or watching M. Tyson Fury. Yeah.
1: Oh, is that hey, who's won the fight? Has that happened
0: yet? Uh, that is not the next time Fury and Wilder fight. You, Kyle, and the rest of the crew, come back to the place, yeah. and we'll do a third podcast. Potentially, might be I a little bit dirtier. Here, yeah.
1: We posted tomorrow. Who's your pick for the fight tonight?
0: Uh, I'm gonna take Floyd. I would take Floyd, wow. and if, I'll edit that out if he loses. By the way, and just put in if <laughs> Paul beat him. I think he's be gonna good.
1: win. There's no way he's gonna knock him out, though, right?
0: <laughs> no chance? No chance. Floyd Kyle's out of his mind. He's gonna
1: knock out anyone.
0: By the way, for the Kyle we're referencing, if you haven't listened to the WTF podcast, we talk fantasy podcast now on Godzilla Media. So make sure to check that. There's our plug right there. For more information on Godzilla Media, head over to our video assigned on YouTube. And the episode it's out in. a new episode. More fresh episodes will be coming out this summer and fall with more fantasy news on the way. I got a few more questions for you because you mentioned tape and stuff. I think that is interesting for some broadcasters. But before we get to the tape question. We have not mentioned the potential college football of Chet. You teased it in part one because you did get recruited, even though you're a small school athlete, even though you despise Bishop Ludden from my hometown in Syracuse, in the west end of Syracuse. You almost had the opportunity, Chet, to play college football, but you decided Syracuse broadcasting was the pet. Take us through a little bit of your recruitment that almost was.
1: Oh man, uh, I was I was this close, dude. I was my a uh, couple of my, my high school buddies. We'd all been recruited to go play at Ithaca and a couple of our older friends were already on the team. And that's also a great communication school, the park school. And so, dude, it was like I had applied probably to six or seven schools and I'd heard back from all of them except for Syracuse. And i had been kind of warned, you know, like, hey, Newhouse is really competitive. Uh, You know, you're from a small school. Like my grades were great. salutatorian, No big deal. I had like a class of three. No, I'm kidding. But no, I'm <laughs> that. Uh, so yeah, I was I was not convinced that I was going to get in, but I still had to wait. And so I had this poor. I feel so bad for this recruiting coach, who God bless him. I mean, he called me easily every other day just for like looking for an update. And I was like, Hey, coach, you know, still waiting to hear back from Syracuse. Like, but I think I'm coming, man. I think I'm coming to Ithaca. I really want to play for you guys. I want to be a bomber. And then, sure enough, at the final hour, I got my acceptance letter to Syracuse. And I was like, oh no, I got to call a coach. Because once I got the acceptance letter from the limited research I had done, it was like, I have to go. To, if I want to be a sports broadcaster, Syracuse is the place for me. And so it was still a tough decision because, you know, again, a lot of my friends and we kind of already talked about it, you know, like, hey, we're going to go play there. And, and people that don't know Ithaca football, I mean, they treat it like D1. Like It's one of those programs, same with Hobart. Like, Yeah, sure, it's got the D3 attached to it, but they treat that like the D1 level and, and play good quality football. Cortica, if you've ever been to Cortica, it's the best. Uh-huh. Ever. Yeah, I got to enjoy Cortica just you know, on the fan side. But uh, no, I was – dude, it was close, man. I would have been a tight end for Ithaca. I would have had a lot of fun. But when, once I got that acceptance to Syracuse, I was like, that's where I have to be. And for a couple of years, I considered being a walk-on at Syracuse. But, again, I think the, the commitment level, if you're the starting quarterback or if you're the seventh string quarterback, uh, if there's a commitment level there that I think it would have taken away from the experience of college and then also maybe some of my broadcasting. That would have been a little awkward if you know, I'm on football team and also reporting on the football team kind of thing. So, yeah.
0: You would have been like my buddy Mike Akion, who you've met before and yeah. had a few beers with. They could have, you know, who knows, another upstate New York kid might have caught a touchdown in the end zone as a walk-on. It's all uh, weird it's how good. that all comes together could have been uh we mentioned tape although i'd love to see a chet davis high school highlight tape i'm not talking about your high school highlights i'm talking about your actual tape you'd send to news stations and sports directors and it, because you nailed it twice you nailed it with the, the tape out of college you nailed it out of eureka you got the job in albany besides your wonderful good looks and hair what else would you give advice to students who are trying to set out the tape that this is what they're looking for on a tape when you're applying for a job
1: Guys, I don't know if you can tell, but my hair is receding very fast. So it's not (laughs) going to be beautiful for very long. You
0: and I, both of us, I think it's. I keep blaming the barber. Like, what are you doing? Why do you keep taking so much? Oh, it's not your fault.
1: Okay. Dude, I am so ready to be bald. Quick side. Like, I. The second second it becomes. Silly looking. I am just buzzing the whole thing.
0: I think... No, chat. No, no, no. You don't go bald. What you do is you just get a really bad toupee. Like go Kevin from the office and be like, what? What? No, this has been my hair for all these years. I'll prove it to you.
1: No, I'm going to bring the beard back and then I'm going to be a completely different person. I'm going to get locked out of the station. What do I look for for a tape, or what do I try to? Put what do you
0: think? What do you think if someone's applying for a job? They, the hiring people, whoever they may be, maybe it's someone in your position who is a sports director. What do you and what do you think is the universal? Okay, if I see this, this, and this, it's going to improve your chances to land that job.
1: Probably the biggest thing for me would be creativity. Like I think uh, a lot of tapes that I see are very cookie cutter, and I mean just like the same kind of stand up over and over and it's you want to be memorable you want to be memorable but you don't want to be a fool and they and i had a professor i guess i didn't pay attention enough But he had a great way he called it like the like the circus rule like don't act like you're in the circus but also try to think outside the box and that was some of the best advice i got i'm gonna give a shout out to uh bob Balou, who's a sports director in uh austin texas and he gave me this advice where he like and he really it really helped where i sent him some of my stuff and He's like, Chet, make yourself more uncomfortable. I want you to like every time, every time you put on a show, how can you make it different? How can you do something? And sometimes you're going to miss. Like you're going to you're gonna do it and you're like, you know, I don't think that was how I thought it was going to go. Let me see if I can do it a different way. And before you know it, you're becoming more comfortable with those and it doesn't come across as a circus. It comes across as creative. And so um, I know news directors love when you do – uh, fancy stand-ups where you're able to think and you know i decided I did some where i was standing in one place and i was standing in another or i walked off screen into another there's a lot of ways and you can easily you know google creative stand-ups and get some ideas and i guess kind of steal some ideas um so that'd be the first thing um the second thing i mean they do love I think what got me that job in Albany was, was one of my packages. And so just your ability to to tell a story. And that also combines with probably part three of it is, you know, showing your ability to shoot your own stuff. And that's where you can show off in a package with your ability to get different angles and different shots, because especially when you're starting out on the sports side of things, you're going to be shooting a lot of highlights and you're going to be shooting a lot of packages. And sports director wants to know your ability behind a camera. Are you going to be shaky? Are you going to, you know, not really understand angles and all those things that add up. Um, so it's probably, those are probably the big things is, is making sure you're creative, making sure your stuff in your packages is clean and crisp and you're writing your best. And that'll that'll separate you from the rest.
0: That is very good advice. And the podcast, of course, is getting there with Gaz. And we close with this. The best advice for someone listening whether they're starting their broadcast career, they want to follow in the footsteps of Chet Davis, landed at CBS oh, 6.
1: <laughs> the
0: best advice you can offer, you gave us a good tech answer there, but anything else you'd like to add to that of how you can land in the certain spot you are right now in your
1: career? Man, that is a loaded, loaded question because I think we're, no, I know we are. It, times are changing. It's different. And a lot of the paths that people, even in, I feel like I'm getting a lot older, but <laughs> the way that I did my career is not probably the way that a lot of people are going to do it. And that's also the cool thing is a lot of people that have been successful have had unique ways of doing it. You don't have to do it the same way. There are different paths you can take. Um, But I think doing what you're doing right now is one of the new things that's just becoming so much more popular and get you some great exposure and introduce you. Build your network is if you want to go out and and do a podcast or find – Find your niche, find something that you're super passionate about. Cause when you're doing local news, yeah, you can have passions and you can be like, Oh, I love football. I love hockey, but you're also gonna have to cover a lot of those other things. And that's great. It's going to expand your knowledge. And, um, but when you're able to do it, a podcast, you control the show, you control what you want to, what you want to talk about. And that niche could be your big break. So find a niche that you think is going to be valuable, that people are going to want to listen and want to learn from you and then go for it man get as many guests as you can on the show introduce yourself to a lot of people and then uh hope for the best
0: wonderful advice my friend i kept you far longer than i ever imagined because some of the stories you laid on us and the advice and the journey was far different than i even remembered learned listened all those things happened in this two-part episode did i miss anything i feel like i've asked you all these questions i did my best to follow are you mad I didn't have you speak Arabic? Are you mad I didn't talk more about the fiance? Did I miss anything?
1: Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Ismi Chet. There you go. I, gotta <laughs> oh say, I got to say I got praised Allah, my name is Chet.
0: Great I job. <laughs>
1: Make sure no, to be on the lookout. Go ahead. That was fun. What's good. that?
0: Good. No, I thought you were talking more Arabic there for really a 2nd I just got to start editing.
1: I have one of those like short-term memories where like the way I study for things, I cram, and then it's just gone. So, yeah, a lot of the stuff I learned in Arabic completely gone.
0: More episodes on the way. You'll hear Chet Davis. He is with Godzilla Media. We talk fantasy. Be on the lookout for some of those episodes, along with Kyle Ray, our friend. Like I said, who knows the next time Tyson Fury has a fight, and you might see Chet me and Kyle just live streaming on the Godzilla Media YouTube page with – Let's say sobriety being tested with some of the drinks we'd have. Uh, Chet, thank you so much, my friend, for doing this. This was so much fun, even as pals that we are, I got to learn more about your career, which is really cool, and uh, we'll be talking again soon.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me guys.